0: We have Dr. Andy McCoy with us. He is a senior water resource engineer with HDR and in, so in the Des Moines office. Um, he is one of the or I would say probably the local expert probably national expert in fluid mechanics and computational modeling for surface water. Um, he is also a, or a founding member of Break the Cycle which is a bike ride that occurs once a year in the summer usually goes from Des Moines to Okoboji, and uh, it's 200 miles long, and the purpose of it is to spread awareness for human trafficking. So with that, oh, you also have a hashtag on social media, Fluid Mechanics in the Wild, so you search out that hashtag. (laughs) Um, Yes, yes. So with that, uh, thanks for joining me today, Andy.
1: Well, thanks Thanks for having me. I think it's, it'll be, uh, I'm looking forward to having some good discussion with you. So.
0: Yeah. So first off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up, what you wanted to be when you grew
1: up? Yeah, so I, I grew up in the country, uh, near, kind of in between Adel, Van Meter, and Milwaukee, if for those of you around central Iowa. And so I went to Adel High School is where I went um, and I, I would say that my the fact that I grew up in the country in the woods with a with a medium-sized creek and stream behind my home may have influenced who I am <laughs> and, and the, the professional choices I've made today because I had this I look back on it now and I know that I had a, an outdoor laboratory that I would use to you know I was just a kid that was curious but I would go routinely during thunderstorms I would go and see what was happening down at the creek and see if how high the water was getting and if it was flooding and, and what would change after I would be very excited if one of the one of the bends in the in the stream got cut off or there was some big change that happened. And over a period of probably a decade, I would say, I was kind of an intense stream watcher. And, I, and I've always loved science and earth science and things. And as I started to think about career choices, I think my mom may have said, well, you know, civil engineering is all about, it's, it's all about, Manipulating the earth or knowing more about um, how the how the, the world works and then designing things to to function within that that system and so I started looking into civil engineering and started thinking towards the end of high school yeah engineering would be this looks like a really good idea and for me I went to the University of Iowa and started to see if they have um, some of the faculty members that do research in um, hydraulics and water resources and fluids and I, they started talking about some of the projects they were working on and I thought this will be a great career choice for me and so that's you know University of Iowa got a bachelor's degree then I worked for a couple years in Austin Texas for a company called HDR and then I, I stopped went back to the University of Iowa for graduate school got a master's and a doctorate And then when I started looking for careers after grad school, um, I just remembered really enjoying my time at HDR and knowing that they had, there's so many different clients that needed computational hydraulics or two-dimensional or three-dimensional hydraulic modeling that the consulting world, like 2005, typically there was boutique firms that were doing that kind of modeling, but some of the larger AE firms weren't doing a lot of that kind of work and I, I just knew that there would be a spot to be able to create a practice within a company because there were so many clients that needed it. And so I went, I talked to the people I used to work with at HDR and said, hey, looking to come out, you know, when I was started looking for a job after grad school remember there was a lot of choices. My wife was trying to find a faculty job somewhere and I was looking for jobs and we there was a lot of opportunities on in California and the Pacific Northwest and there was opportunities on the East Coast but we didn't overlap very well and I just we just I think we got tired and we thought you know why not why not Des Moines, Iowa? We love we love it we're from here and you know we're probably going to have a family really soon and our parents are still around here and so Both of us said, "Let's let's let's focus on Des Moines and see what we can pull off." And HDR at the time had an office of two people, and I think they were thrilled that I wanted to be in Des Moines because they were looking to grow the office, and so that worked out really well. And then my wife um, has a faculty job now at Drake University, so which is in Des Moines also. So that's maybe a long-winded intro and a little background.
0: no, not at all. So when you started working at HDR, did you, like, the with the computational modeling, was that something that you created that department, or was that something that was in place?
1: Mm. Well, part one, I went, when I went to work in Austin, Texas, I had more of a general, I had a general civil engineering background, an interest in water resources, but I didn't, but I didn't have like the computational skills that you would gain doing five years of graduate school. So I knew I had an interest and started working in the consulting world. And yeah, I just, there was a, they focused in Austin, they focused a lot more on water supply. Um, Some parts of the state of Texas have water shortages and others have um, a water surplus and they have a water rights system where, you can't just take water out of a stream. You have, to have, you have to have legal right to do that. And so a city like San Antonio needs to, if they want to develop more water resources for the people that live in San Antonio, or if they want to crow, they have to spend a lot of, um, they have to figure out how the best way to do that is and, and probably the lowest economic cost for their utilities to be able to do that so I was involved in the modeling of those types of water resources but I knew long term I wanted to be a little bit more in the modeling of the like river mechanics or moving river flows or flood flows or flood interest and not so less in the water rights and more in the rivers realm of physical part of rivers and the, the flooding aspects of it.
0: So, so getting back to your earlier days of um, watching
1: mm-hmm. storm so, events. And then in, De, in Des Moines I would say we I mean we always have had like a water resources group but nobody was doing two-dimensional hydraulic modeling or CFD modeling applied to um, applied to the types of projects that you might do as a consulting engineer. And so that was a new, that was kind of a new aspect for, for our company. So for our group in Iowa and Omaha, in Iowa, Nebraska, and then also for our company nationally as well.
0: Okay. So is that um, the reason why you went to pursue your doctorate as well, was to get the computational skills?
1: It was, but I didn't have an end goal in mind. I didn't think oh I will get this doctorate and I will go straight into academia or I will get this I will earn this doctorate and I will go into the research world or consulting. I just knew that I wanted to keep driving further and deeper into my into the into the technical parts of my career and I think I knew enough from the consulting world. I knew enough to know that I really didn't I knew enough to be dangerous, but I really didn't understand the limits of what it were in the field. And so I kind of cut tie. I mean I when I went to grad school, I went all in. I went to for the reasons I just wanted to understand and I thought research was fun. Mm-hmm. I liked learning about the cutting edge and you know five years later I ended up right back at the same company that I had left but with a completely different perspective on uh, what sort of value I could bring to the clients and the cities and just the different people out there that have floods and water problems and hydraulics problems.
0: Sure. Um, I think that's super like interesting, too, because when you're describing about when you were a kid and, you know, going down the backyard and seeing what happens with flood events and then how it came full circle with getting your doctorate and doing what you do now at HDR and then also tying in like one of your favorite hobbies, which is biking. Yeah. Um, so tying that into riding bikes to check out <laughs> rivers and streams. Um, yeah. So I guess with that, maybe uh, if we could switch gears a little bit and if you could talk about something that you're passionate about.
1: So, yeah, some of the things that I'm, I mean, some of the things I'm passionate about, I mean, and you talked a little bit about the nonprofit that that I formed with a group of friends where we had done a, a 200, a one day, 200 mile bike ride and like in 2011 and i remember after we were done people thought it was crazy we did it and so we started talking about doing it again but it we thought if we do this again it's just going to be it's really not you know what would drive us to do something like that again and then we started talking about different different if we could tie day-long suffering with a cause that we were passionate about, then that might be a good reason to do the event again and divide, invite other people along with us. And so with some of our cycling, it was kind of a combination of some church friends and cycling friends that we said, let's 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 do a one-day 200-mile bike ride again, and let's do it to raise money to support survivors of human trafficking and so when people would say why wouldn't on earth would you ride your bike 200 miles in one day we tell them we're doing it because we're going to suffer one day on a bike so that we can raise you know money and awareness to support people that have really had a rough that have been taken advantage of for many years and you know we're going to you know, raise money so they can go into a shelter home or a place of restoration, or in some way help them. And so, that's one area that I've been passionate about. And we just what is that? We've, maybe we did. We've we're almost at a million dollars in fundraising. We've done the Break the Cycle 200 ride now for eight years, where we've done fundraising. Um, and so that that's that kind of combines a lot of my interests and passions into one thing (laughs) so that's like a good theme if you can get start to get multiple you know like biking i like living out the, the gospel as a christian and that's a really easy way to do it i mean it's not easy but it's just it's a way that combines my physical passions and talents and gifting with spiritual ones. And it's a good way to do that. Um, You know, another thing that I'm passionate about is just being involved in the community. And what's that mean? Sometimes um, I've, I've, I've been on the board of our local neighborhood association in the East village in Des Moines. And sometimes people think, well, why, why would, why would I be, want to be on the board? Or why would somebody, why should I volunteer for something like that? And the, the really easy answer is that so many people today just say no to everything, but there's actually very few people that'll just say, yes, I can help. And it doesn't mean that you have to be the most perfect board member or 95% attendance or something, but if you can be committed to a part of like a, an organization like that, you can, you know, you can actually, you can help move things forward and, and help, help in the way that you're passionate about. So neighborhood association and then another group that I liked that I'm a part of and on the board is called Friends of Des Moines Parks. And so that's kind of a fundraising, um, special projects for Des Moines, Des Moines Parks and Rec. It's, it's a way to get to funnel some private bunnies in to support what Des Moines Parks and Rec has going. And so, again, that's kind of like biking and recreation and Des Moines Parks and Rec does a really good job and they have a lot of programs like Every Kid Gets a Ball and making sure that there's parks and places for people to go all over the city of Des Moines, no matter what uh, part of town you live in or no matter what your economic background or your ethnic background is, Des Moines Parks and Rec is serving all residents of Des Moines. And so that's that's another really, I'm passionate about that. I think growing up I had just a, we own the, I mean, my parents own the land, but I wouldn't be the person I am today without having abundance of recreation and wild space and green space to kind of get lost in so that's again I guess it's another combination of a couple different places in my life so
0: yeah I like the tie like I feel like it, your break the cycle work and uh with the park and rec department um it's high end for you know trying to be a voice for uh people whose mm-hmm. voices may. not heard and being an advocate for for people that that really need advocates Mm -hmm. so um one question that came up when you're talking about your break the cycle work um so this is the bike ride that takes how many hours how many hours does it take
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think one year one year we had an amazing tailwinds and we rode from des moines to okaboji and the and we were pushed the whole way there and then we left at five in the morning, and we made it to Okaboji by four forty-five in the afternoon. And then, this year because of the pandemic, we split our group into groups of six, and stayed on the Raccoon River Valley Trail. Which, you know, about every mile there's a gravel road or at least a crossing where you kind of have to slow down and make sure you're not going to get hit. And so you know, speeds are quite a bit slower. And so I think we started at five in the morning. I think the last group was finished, maybe about eight o'clock, 8 p.m. So okay. 15 hours, exactly. we stop every 25 miles and try to take, you know, like a 30 minute break for lunch.
0: Okay, so what go, like what thoughts go through your head um, you know, when things are getting tough, because that's a really, really long time. Like for me, it's a long time to ride for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. So I can't even imagine what 15 hours is like, but what are the thoughts that go through your head?
1: Um, We've just remember why you're doing it. And we've, some years were better than, than others, but we, as a leadership group, we always try to take some time in the morning, in the afternoon, like just when we've been a group of 50, we've had kind of a, uh, okay, we're going to be absolutely quiet for 10 minutes because it's in a group of 50, there's people that are just, you know, there's a lot of people that are talking and people have, you know, the, the togetherness helps kind of pull people through, but we like to spend time just, Hey, there's 10 minutes. It's going to be silent. And so if, if you want to think about what we're doing or if you want to pray about what we're doing or all the things, you know, now's the time to do that. And so that's more of a formal situation with both morning and then an afternoon. But yeah, that's, it's just, you know, think of, uh, think of someone in, in Nepal who by no fault of their own was just born into the wrong caste, and their family already had a lot of kids and it's times it's just hard to feed that many people and so sometimes um, a young woman has cash value on being sold and that that's a reality that it's not hard to think about how um, wrong that is and so then just think about it doesn't you don't have to dwell on that it's just think about that and remind yourself as it's hot or your legs hurt or your, your tailbone hurts. Um, Or, you know, the same thing, you know, girl has a tough home life here in in Des Moines, runs away from home and needs, you know, needs shelter. And someone, someone's willing to offer it. Oh yeah, I've got, you know, you can stay with me, but then, you know, there's a a slippery, slippery slope into, you know, being sold and on a nightly basis and you know it's again that it's through no fault of their own it's just unfortunate circumstances and so that it doesn't yeah you just think about think about some of those things and just keep you keep one keep pedals turning 90 you know 90 rpms (laughs) uh
0: well i commend you guys all of you for for doing Mm -hmm. that for providing resources so that these people can be loved appropriately and removed from situations where it's not safe and they're being dehumanized. So, um, I totally commend you guys for raising money and for doing uncomfortable things to help Mm -hmm. people. That's super inspiring, um. And I think, is there a race going, can you talk about that a race that's actually going on today, right?
1: Yeah, yeah today's actually the, the Break the Cycle 200, Minneapolis. And so the event is, uh, it's going on right now in Minneapolis. And so I've never done, I've actually, I've never done the Minneapolis version, but this might, I think it's the fourth year for the Minneapolis events. And later in September, we have one in, in Nashville. And so I know they're all socially distanced as appropriate, maybe groups of six to ten people, you know, something like that is kind of what what we thought. And then no big big group, you know, try to keep the groups kind of spread out or whatever, just to be just to make sure we don't, you know, become super spreaders <laughs> or whatever of the of the pandemic that's going on. So
0: yes yes safety first (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay so who is one person that inspires you
1: there's i mean we have i'm trying to think of a good i'm like i'm inspired by oh i should i should i probably have a few it's hard for me to say like the most inspiring or something like that but I'm I know this is going to sound a little cheesy but my my wife inspires me in that she's she's an artist and a small business owner and a faculty member and it's it's a she never loses sight of when she's doing work for clients she never loses sight of the like customer you know like the client focus and making sure that she can achieve the design that she knows they're going to want even if they're not asking for it and that's a particularly inspiring thing for those of us in consulting because it's very it's challenging to get sometimes the client they know what they want they think they know what they want and maybe I might think about maybe in a broader point of view and with all, you know, no disrespect, but what they might need and how to get there a different way. And it's always been a challenge for me to figure out how to do that. And so, so that's one, my wife, Sarah McCoy, she, she inspires me. And then um, I have my graduate, um, one of my graduate advisors, <clears throat> he was probably um, Larry Weber, Dr. Larry Weber, he's in charge of the Iowa Flood Center, or he was the co-founder, and now I think he's moved on a few other things. But he, I was always inspired by the fact that he, he's probably, he's the best communicator I think I've ever, I've ever been around. He, he can, in, in, a, in an academic setting, in a research talk he can provide the details that the academics and the researchers want but he's also just as comfortable and communicates just as well and in the same language in like a in a public meeting in rural iowa or in like a group of um, like a watershed group where they're starting to talk about what sort of watershed practices to install and i've it's that's a someone, I, I saw him do that on a number of, you know, in graduate school you watch that because um, you do presentations and conferences, and so you see it's a, it's a whole different level of communication that's required, but but you have to you have to be aware of your surroundings and know who you know who you're talking to and how they what sort of information is relevant to them, and so I was drawn. I mean that's one of the reasons that i chose the university of iowa for graduate school because i wanted to work and be part of his research group so
0: yeah and that that's so cool and such a special skill set to be able to take super complex issues and concepts and mm-hmm. then boil it down to something that's simple and relatable and understandable for everyone no matter who the who the who the audience is i guess so it's not easy to do, is it? <laughs> so that's cool. All right. Well, that is all I have uh, for questions. So thanks for joining me today and uh, have a good rest of your day.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's been fun and good luck with your, with your project.